God who then equips and God who always uh, makes the focus right. And so I want to make sure that even as we talk about it, God who has given us everything, given us things to steward, it's always about him. And always us wanting to get our eyes back onto the things that he's done. Like we talked about the gifts that he's given. And what does that mean? How do you use those gifts uh, as we talked about those gift testing? And ironically, seriously, most people, they say, oh, I've done a gift testing. I've been there. Well, how many of you know that God loves giving you new gifts? Did you know that? In fact, it even talks in Corinthians to constantly seek after the spiritual gifts. How many of you would like a new gift of God to bring a gift of healing? Well, unless you're asking, well, it would be stirring of something that's in your heart. So always pursuing those gifts and what God has given. And also that he's given us the privilege to steward stuff. We have lots of stuff. But the beauty of it is not just for us to hoard. It's about how God loves to use everything. He owns it all. How can God use it all? Well, he uses us. And the other part of that of what also God loves to even inquire to use our, God, how he can use our money. I know money is usually one of those, really, like, do we want to talk about that in church? Absolutely, because God owns it all. Cattle on a thousand hills. Well, finally, as I'm coming into this today, talking about, we've been talking about all this stuff we want to talk about this week. God not only wants you to experience his love, but he wants you to also experience loving his church. I love it. Aaron and I don't collaborate as far as, oh, this is what the service is going to look like. But all he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, let's pray for churches. Because that's what God is like. God thinks the church. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about this. The title is Outside to Inside, Stewarding God's Family. And I'm going to be using from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, just a couple verses. Now, in 2011, there was a movie called The Help. Has anyone seen the movie called The Help? Okay, a couple good. Uh, It was set in uh, Mississippi during the 1960s. And uh, a lady named Skeeter, she was Emma Stone, is a Southern society girl who returns from college determined to become a writer. Uh, But she turns her friends' lives and the Missouri town upside down when she decides to interview uh, the black women who've spent their lives taking care of the prominent southern families. So if you've never seen it, it's really, it's pretty cool. It, uh, uh, Abedine, Abilene, sorry, who's Skeeter's best friend's housekeeper, is the first to talk. She starts interviewing, saying, what's it like raising up children that are not your own? And... It's funny, as, as Aberdeen starts sharing about what was happening at the time was the amount of discrimination that was going along. And despite Skeeter's lifelong friendships hanging in the balance, she and uh, Abilene continue their collaboration, and soon more women come forward, and they tell their stories of what it was like when people were sort of discrimination was at its highest in some ways. It was acceptable. And, and in fact, one of the stories that was very Uh, gripping was Mimi, who was fired for using the bathroom, which was taboo for a black person to to do. And the movie shows the harsh harsh reality of discrimination, of what it means to be excluded. And Abilene, who was raising white children as if their own, had one important lesson, and I want you to hear it, because she emulates Christ. And this is what she said, so... This is what she taught these little kids, 
Ready, Nate? You can throw it over to the next one. Hopefully it'll play. Now hopefully, because last time my com- computer skills were... You is kind. You is smart. You is... Em- <laughs> you is important. <laughs> you is smart. You is smart. You is kind. You is kind. And you is important. I knew this thing would be probably... You is important. Stop using your devices. You're killing our internet, people. That's so good. Okay, we'll stop there. She goes and talks to the same... Again, when the girl was in trouble, even, of doing something, Abilene takes the little one and says, remember, she's in sort of as the little girl's just in trouble, even, says, remember, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. She's saying this to, to children that is saying as if, what would be the message that Jesus says to us? Well, I love it because what does it mean to have Christ's love? What does Christ's love express? What does it mean that Jesus went on Palm Sunday going to the cross? What was it all about? We understand God's message to us And Jesus' death and resurrection becomes the ultimate help. So let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, 19 to 22. And I'm going to put the verses up here so you can see it. Uh, But I really encourage you to read along because I'm going to take just a portion. So Paul writing to the church says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Again, we're taking a portion of Scripture, we're just kind of jumping into it, but this is what the book of Ephesians says. It's kind of at the very beginning, but Paul wants to establish an incredible truth. What do you have in Jesus? Palm Sunday happened, Jesus died on the cross, and what happened was absolutely incredible for you and I. And Paul had told us what already happened. He said this, in Jesus, guess what you've got? If you read chapter 1 and chapter, just before that, this is what he says in verse 3 in chapter 1. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. What? Yeah, you've got every spiritual blessing right now because of what Jesus done. In verse 4, in him you've been chosen. I choose you, I pick you, I want you. In verse 5, in him you've been adopted. I love the parks because they always remind, what does it mean to be adopted? It's like we're family. And in 2 verse 5, in him you are made alive together. And in verse 6, in him you've been raised up and seated in the heavenly places. Right now, you are in the heavenly places. Weird. Why? Because of what Jesus done. That's not going to happen. That's actually today that he says, and he says, come, I'm going to invite you up to my presence You were singing with angels this morning, by the way. It wasn't just your friend or people beside you. We were actually entering into the throne room of God. Well, then we get into verse 19. In him you've received all this. Then he says, 
So now you are no longer stranger or a foreigner. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's, do you know what it is? See it? Family. In Christ, you now have family. That's what Paul unpacks for us. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Ever been there? <laughs> How did it feel like in Egypt, huh? Huh? What's it like to feel like going to a place where you're a foreigner? Absolutely kind of uh, nerve-wracking in some ways. I don't understand the language. I do, what, what's the customs? What do we do here? You know what? In our world of growing urban centers, ironically, the thing has become a cry in our culture is the desire to connect. Did you know that as we have more people coming to the city and we have more people gathering, there's actually a longing for people to feel like they connect? I'll give you an example why this. Uh, did you know that, in, that Facebook right now has 1.13 billion daily active users? 1.13 billion people are using Facebook. I ask the question, why? How many of you cannot, you have to look at Facebook every, like, you, you know, and, you, and we've got to wait for that notification, see what's going on, who checks it out at least daily? Thank you, I'm, I'm not alone. Thank you, Della. I was, no one else wanted to confess, right? I was like, I'm with you, Della, I'm with you. In fact, it was interesting, 3.13 million monthly active users. And in fact, it looks like it's 2004, and in Twitter in 2006, have been the fastest growing uh, providers in the internet. The fastest. Because people are longing to be connected. It became something saying, as we are actually getting closer and we have more people around us, yet we feel like we are more disconnected than ever. And people want to connect. But the ironic thing about Facebook in some ways, if you could poke everybody like you could on Facebook every day, uh, how many would be sent to jail for, for having that sort of harassment? Just, what do you think? It's artificial. It's not actual community. It's the world saying, I will give you something that you long for. And this is what Paul's expressing. And we read it in verse 19. And In fact, he, he came to it before, before we got to 19. In verse 13, he said, Paul reminded the church, you were Gentiles. Now, we didn't read it, but this is the context. You were Gentiles. You could not connect. Did you know that a Jew did not connect with a Gentile? And yet, he, Paul says, you used to be like that until Jesus I'm going to ask you, in, what, in the sense of this, what, what does it mean today's language to be a Gentile? What, what would you say a Gentile's like? Well, I would use it like this. I would say it's like being a spectator. Uh, how many of you like spectating sports? Okay, good, good. I, I'm with you. You know what? Our culture loves spectators, and, and, it's, and I think it's, it really appeals to it because I love going to a Jets game. I, I'm a Jets fan. I love it. Uh, I, I love it because I get to go wear the t-shirt and, wear the, and go to the games. Uh, and we're happy to live this way. But you know what? 
This is what Paul is saying. You are not meant to live like a spectator. I actually didn't build my church where you feel like you're on the outskirts looking in. But our culture loves it. I love being just a spectator. But God's invitation, he says, you are no longer like that. You are now fellow citizens. You're in. And I love it because Paul here, when we went to the Jets game, he said what happened was one day uh, he, he helps with some foster kids and one of the, the moose said, hey, Paul, would you like to come and go for a skate in the MTS center with your foster kid? So Paul did this. Paul was, had the privilege of going down with some of the moose players skating in the MTS play, center. And he said, do you know how different it is being on the ice compared to actually being up in the stands? Radically different. He just sat there sucking it in. And that's, that's what God says. I don't want you just sitting out there being a specter, being like a Gentile, not able to participate. I want you to be fully engaged. Let's put on the skates. God's invitation. He says, you no longer are foreigners or aliens. I allow you to participate. Get your skates on. That's what Paul's trying to talk to us about. And I love it because this is what it means to be family of God. It's the church. I, I love it. The quote here, give it here, Nate. What is the church? Well, put it up there, bud. I don't go to church. I'm going to be the church. Because a church is not a building or an institution or a club. It's not an event or a place you go. It's the spiritual family of God. It's his people. So I came and God said, you didn't come here for the worship, although it's good. Amber, in the team, you guys did a great job. Team. I didn't come here to hear a message, although it's good. <laughs> Got to admit I didn't come here because Aaron has got an amazing personality. Well, he does have an amazing personality. Came because it's the people that you meet. And I love it because contrary to popular opinion, did you know that we're not all children of God? Whoa, what do you mean? You see, we're all created by God. It's the spirit, it's... And I love it in that it's saying this, that we're all loved by him, but the only way to become a child of God is to place your faith in Jesus. See, in Ephesians 1, chapter 5, this is where Paul had said it was God's plan to adopt us and to bring himself through Jesus. See, people are not automatically in the family. And that's what is interesting when we talk about this being a part of. It's like you, we, we know that there is an for people to actually be on the outside looking in. And I love it because the question for me is, how was I brought into the family? How did I come to it? Well, John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, but to all who received him, they have become children of God. And to all who did not receive him, who, believe, who believed in his name, or all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who are born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Through Jesus, we actually become God's, in God's family. It's the only way. 
So this morning, you have Jesus. Now what? Well, God then says this. I want you to steward my family. You have a family. How do, I'm going to ask a question. How do, you, how do you steward God's family then? How many of you know what it means to even steward a family? You've obviously been a part of a family or you wouldn't be here. We all understand there's a concept that when you're in family, now God says, I have put you in a family and I want you to care for it. So the question is, how do we steward God's family? Well, let's ask this. Paul gives us some thoughts and he first of all says this. The first way that we can steward God's family is by declaring all are in the family. Okay? First thing, you want to steward God's family? Recognize all are in the family. There used to be an old, I think, 70s show or 60s show called All in the Family. I'm not talking about that. That was very dysfunctional. But no, no, don't, don't even reference that. But in verse 19 it says, You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. He doesn't say, Oh, uh, that's just Harold is a part of the family, or Wendy's a part of the family, or he doesn't just say uh, Kirsten's a part of the family. Uh, he doesn't say that, you know, Ricardo's part of the family. And he says, All. And you have to think that way because some people actually don't think they're in God's family. Especially if you feel like, but man, I mess up. Man, God would never choose me. Oh, but you know, I have some problems. God says, no, no, no. You're in my family. And you have to start to steward God's family. You have to start by, by believing that you're in. And the, the apostle Paul explains this. He says this in first. He says, you're not a stranger, but a citizen. What does that mean? Well, Paul is acknowledging that there's a dividing wall between people and cultures. As Amber said, I've been to Egypt. Suddenly she said, I understood what it felt like to be outside because this culture is different. Have you ever thought that we can have a church culture and it's pretty different and you could feel like you're on the outside of it? I look at it and they're too, they're pretty holy. They're pretty, they got it all together. They're pretty perfect. Dennis, I have to admit, Dennis, you're pretty perfect, man. You're, uh, I don't know, there's just something about you. I just look at it, I don't know how. First of all, you can grow this beard that I cannot. Every single aboriginal part of my body is trying to grow a beard and I, I have beard envy, just admitting it. So there we go. That was not in the notes, by the way. But we tend to see people as some as in the inside, some on the outside, or at least we treat people different depending who's knocking on the door. You didn't catch that. You treat people depending on who's knocking on the door. I had a couple Jehovah Witnesses come to my house recently. And I was like, my wife's going, you get the door. No, 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 you get the door. No, 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 you get the door. No, no, uh, this is not my job. You get the door. Well, Paul says there's really only one category of believer, or of people, sorry. There's, there's one category that we start off with, sinners. All are outside of God. All of us needing to be cleaned from our sin. There are no winners and losers. There's only bad, dead rebels needing to be saved. And then there's family. And you are in the family. 
There's really only two categories, is what Paul says. And he says, despite your background or culture or political views or your job or your status, you're in God's family. And so Paul employs this term, you are citizens. That means as a political term, it was used in cities like Ephesus. Because strangers were, compl- are, were complete foreigners with no rights or privileges. Or aliens who are, who are non-citizens who dwelt in the city were accorded customary privileges as neighbors. They were just the people that were there. Citizens in Paul's day had full rights. Let me explain it like this. I understand people who have full citizenship in my family. Why? Because they take advantage of it every day. They boldly walk into my refrigerator and open the fridge and proceed to raid it. I don't know how this happens, but somehow they have the rights and privileges to go and steal whatever they want. You don't experience that at all, do you? Ever had that? That's what he's talking about. It's like, what does it mean to have the rights? You have all rights and privileges, access to do. And the funny thing is, I don't ask my kids to pay me, to be honest. They don't have to pay anything. It's free. It's part of the being their, our family. However, I do ask of one thing for them. I do, they have a responsibility. Guess what that is? Clean their room. Help with the dishes. Take out the garbage. Love your brother. I have only one rule. Because God only has one rule. If you love your mother, you will clean the dishes. You will do those things because that's what she likes. <laughs> she loves serving, by the way. Anyway. <clears throat> you will prefer one another. You'll love. That's the only rule. And that means you're a part of the family. Similarly, I just say that. That's the church. We have all the rights, but our one responsibility, learn to love one another. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. I I keep forgetting that part. As much as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. And in verse 35, by this, all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the number one reason Jesus wants us to love one another is not that we have a happy little family or church club, but that people say, look at the love they have. I want it. The primary reason that God wants you to love is not so that we have a really loving church, but that others would say, I want to be a part of your family. That's what God says. I command you to do this because there's other people that don't know what it means to be in my family. And I want them to get homesick when they see your love. I love it because an example of that, of just what it means to be a fellow citizen, and it doesn't matter about your, you know, where you come from or whatever. I had, I, we have that in this church. You see these two here? When did, you, when did you guys come here? It's in my notes. I actually am picking on you. September. And what happened was all the way coming from Brazil, God bringing these two just to do schooling, but they said, I know we got to go to church. And the interesting is these two came in, they walked through the door, and as you know, there's lots of churches, but they said, oh, 
We feel like this is home. Family. And now they have other kids. It's amazing. It's great. No, nothing. Whoa, slow down. I was not prophesying there. Oh, it's all good. That's what Paul says. He says, think about it. All of us in the family, think that way. You want to steward God's family? Think all. Stop thinking individual. Stop thinking just our little sphere. Stop thinking about just little church. Think big. Think that I have also family members out there. I want them here. And you start stewarding God's family differently. And Jesus who brings peace between Jew and Gentile, says you're no longer, even I can bring the hostility. Not that there's any hostility between me and Brazilians. That's all good. We know that. Because you are family in Christ. Well, the last part is this. I'm going to zip through this because I want to do it quickly. Because he says, you're going to think of a steward. Well, first of all, say we're all one. And then I'm going to change something. I'm going to do a radical shift in you. To steward the family, you're going to shift something. And what you need to do is you need to have a new worship. Well, yeah, like Dave gave me the best. Like, what do you mean a new worship? Paul, out of the context, said this spiritual worship. He said we're building something, joined together, and it's amazing because he says in verse twenty-one, being joined together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you're also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He attaches something which I never saw before in this idea of being family. What was the temple? What was that place that they built? A place of worship. It's absolutely staggering that Paul, a Jew, would refer to the church as God's holy temple. That's like taking whatever you think worship is and radically changing it. Worship becomes something so different and new Because he's suddenly saying, look how you are a holy temple, built together. What, I worship when I'm doing it with other people? Yeah, because you're you're showing my love. You're actually expressing my kingdom here on earth. Guess what we're going to be doing in eternity? Worshiping together. And that's the, new, that's the new worship that God's bringing. A togetherness. A family all before the throne room of God. I don't have to wait to the by and by to get there. That's supposed to happen here. As God says, now be that family. Steward my family. A place of worship. The temple was a place where you brought sacrifice. Did you know God wants you to build his church? And this is a new worship. It's not like the old where he says you're part of these living stones and your altars to the Lord. Well, this is why. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, it says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and his spirit lives in you? So for me, in order to really understand worship, I come into the temple and then all of a sudden God says, but I have, oh, look, there's another temple. Oh, oh, wait, there's another There's another temple. Oh, I never thought, I always thought it was about me. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But he goes, no, no, we actually all, and when we take that corporality, that, that ability to say, God, we are all temples? And I start thinking, well, what's God doing in this temple to worship? How is it worship? Well, did you know that this morning, there was tons of worship going on? 
Because what is worship? Worship is love. And God says, I have one plan for you. I want you to grow in love. That's it. If you were to ask and say, I want to steward God's family, how do you do it? Well, I'm going to increase your love. I'm going to jump into this, just zip through this, Nate, to the next point. Yeah, boom. Here we go. How can we steward God's family? A new worship together is joined together. Well, God's going to say, how do you love? And there's actually, I'm stealing this from Rick Warren. So you want the notes? Talk to Rick Warren. Here we go. The first way God says, how do you do worship? Love. Love one another. Well, the first way you can love someone is this. A fellowship of sharing. What do you mean? Well, all love starts with sharing. Did you know you share conversations? You share meals. I, I love it. We, we've been setting you up because John gets up and says, by the way, guys, we're doing this thing. It's called, you know, who, who's coming over for lunch? Well, why are we doing this? Did you know that when you share, you grow in love? It's weird how when you give stuff and you partner with people, sharing is a way of loving. And you know what? The more you share, the more you grow to love someone. I know that. My kid raids my food. I just seem to love him more and more. You get closer to people by sharing. The early church were famous for being loving people because they met constantly and they shared everything. And you know what? You can't build a relationship without sharing time together. True fellowship takes time. And you develop relationship only by time. And you know what? To share makes it, it, it's a choice. It's about choosing. And this is why small groups are so important. Did you know that we do small groups? Why do we do it? Because it actually is this. When you take time to gather with people and to share, how many of you got to share this morning in this large context? Did you share? Some would go, kind of, I got greeted at the door. God says, did you know when you get into a small group, you can share a lot more? You know when you get to a a house group, an ability to, to meet and fellowship, you get to do way more sharing. How are you been? How's this week going? Why do we go to, to do a, a guess who's coming home or coming over to lunch? So you can share. Because I bet you it'll make your love grow. Ever experienced that? But it's about choosing. Did you know this? In Hebrews 10, it says in 24, verse 25, let, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's a habit? You do it, it's, it's when you do it all the time. Did you know that meeting in a house group or a small group requires you to build a habit? And did you know what Paul, or sorry, the writer of Hebrews is saying? Some people neglect the habit. They start to say, ah, it's not important. It's not important to do this. It's not important to have, to be able to share. And I would say contrary, I'd say actually the Lord says, it's very important to share. Well, the second level, I love this, because this one is right, straight, practical. 
The love, the next way you can love is by the fellowship of serving together. You see, a deeper love is started in serving. You see, when you partner with a common purpose, when you start to uh, do something with someone else, your love grows deeper. I'll give you an example. When we took our house group and we went to, to, uh, I minister once a month to a, a little church called Bethlehem Aboriginal Fellowship. Because God put a call on me to say, I want you to minister to the Aboriginal community, I said, Lord, that's crazy. Remember all those gift things we talked about? And then God says, trust me. I don't have time. Just trust me. I have a calling for you. So we started to do that. I started going once a month, preaching to this church, and it's amazing talking with people who, Lord, who really understand they, Jesus comes to save. When you're dealing with addictions and when you're dealing with broken families, the gospel's easy to preach. Do you know what's harder to preach to a rich person? Well, I've been doing this, but, but my highlight was then one day I said, hey, can we take our house group and go and minister to you guys? Suddenly we were serving, and it went to a whole different level. Because they got to see my other, part of my other family, and how they were giving cake and doing stuff to uh, this other family. And I actually really started to love my house group. Like, amazing. I said, these guys are amazing. I love these guys, because we were serving together. It's like this. Have you ever seen a soldier? Like, you ever see two soldiers, war vets? And you see how they they fellowship together. Why is it that they, after years and years, have this deep bond? It's because they serve together. They they actually might have spilt blood together. And with that becomes a bond, an appreciation for each other. Now, I, I, I I want you to know, this church is so blessed because we have similar people. I'm going to pick on one. I, I, pro- I asked them if I could. And I said, I want to make this a part of the message because if fellowship is about serving, Della, could you come here, please? I wanted to do this because we were wanting to say, hey, we want to make sure we do something. But I said, this is just so tie with the message. It's amazing. How many of you know Della? How many of you know that how much she serves? Do you know how she serves? She's been faithfully serving with Nancy and potlucks. And Nancy, I mean, she would go, oh, but now, you know, there's tons of people who serve. But we wanted to bless her because the one thing was that she also has been serving faithfully with the coffee cart. So when people come, she goes, I want people to feel welcome. She goes, I just want people to feel welcome in this church. And so she said, but now, I want, I, I think God's telling me to step down because I got this burden. I want to help these people over here with this adoption thing. And I, I want to help this and I can't do everything. And I really feel, ah, what do I do? And we just said, Oh, no guilt, thank you. And we want to honor you. We have actually a bunch of flowers to say thank you for serving and serving and serving and serving. Uh, I get to? I'm going to get Aaron to do it because Aaron's been here a lot longer than me and uh, he's seen way more serving than I have. Yeah. <laughs> Reynold Reynold and Della thank you for your serving there is a love this church has because you serve I'm picking on one but I could literally go thank you and thank you thank you and thank you we could just go down because something happens when we're serving together that you actually feel a greater love because we've kind of been in the trenches together I've been in the trenches doing dishes with her and Reynold on a potluck Ephesians 4, 
Verse 16 says, And whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, and every part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And the last two are really quickly, it's this. The third level of, of, of love and how we steward is the fellowship of belonging. The fellowship of belonging. You see, to grow deep, you have to go deeper. It requires commitment. A commitment to each other as we are to Christ. That's the fellowship of belonging. I'm going to explain this by what does it mean to get uh, a fellowship of belonging. Well, it's the difference between dating and getting married. It's the difference between casual attendance and regular attender or a member. It's the difference between a spectator and being a participant. It's the difference between an outsider watching things happen and an insider making it happen. It's a difference like this. Uh, suddenly we had somebody over for a house for, for dinner and we were doing that and finally we said, here, take the towel, you're doing the dishes with us. And they said, actually they turned and said, what can I do? And I said, you're, you're now I know you're part of our family. You're no longer a visitor. And we said, you belong. We, we talk differently because we know there's a belonging. And I, I think everybody wants to belong. Our challenge is making commitments. Ever feel like you have too many commitments? I don't want to belong anymore. <laughs> and this is why I think we have to make a decision because this is a tougher love. This is a tougher love to say, I feel like God has called me to something. And belonging isn't an option. The person who loves God must love one another. First John chapter 4, verse 21 says, And this commandment we have in him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. There's a commitment. And it starts to believe when you believe that God has called you to a place. As I said, I love it when Christine and Clever just said, what brought you here? I think this is where God's called us as our home. And the last one is this, the level of fellowship is suffering together. And this is the deepest form. When we share pain or hurt, when we, when we walk along with those who are hurting, this is where we really get to love. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do you actually get into real love when you are willing to suffer with someone else? Do you share your hurts with anyone? See, again, I love small groups. I love house group because I was just at a house group and as we're talking, someone said, we need to talk about because this person's father is right now in the hospital. Can we pray? You could come to church and, and you could be hurting and do you have the ability to share that hurt? I love it in a house group, you can't hide. Because they'll ask you, how are you doing? I love it in that context, there's way more fellowship, because they'll fellowship even in suffering. Are you too busy to help those who are in pain? Are you afraid to deal with hurting people? You see, relationships are more important than success or accomplishments or money because life is about loving God and loving people. And if you don't learn how to love God, you, your worship's going to be off. And if you don't learn how to love people, you won't have fellowship. And we're not just talking about attending a church service, but being a part of the body. And Paul says when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. 
You know what? Treating each other as a brother or sister and learning that connection and learning to, if they're going through suffer, I'll walk with them. Did you know that was Mother Teresa's motto? Because she said, I will not let them suffer alone. So this morning, I just want to close this. People all around are looking for connection. They're looking for love. They're, and this morning, I, I want to thank you that God says, I love you so much that I brought you into a family. You are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are citizens. You get to raid the fridge. You have so much. But I want to also ask this, can you steward my family? Recognize you're all in the family. Recognize that I have one thing. Just love them. And it's going to be these different facets of love. Sharing. Serving. Belonging. Maybe even suffering. But I want you to grow in that love. I want you to become so full of me that the world out there says, I want what they have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this. And I thank you for, Lord... Just the opportunity for us to uh, talk about how you've given us all. But Lord, now we want to say thank you for this church and thank you for your body. Thank you that we're a part of it. Thank you that you made us your children. Lord Jesus, thank you that even this, uh, this morning you would tell us and help us in stewarding this beautiful bride of Christ. In your name we pray, amen.